Welcome to the Back Nine Report, presented by eDraft.com. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Back Nine Report, presented by eDraft.com. We go live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and check in on the world of golf to bring you the latest news, insights, analysis, interviews, recaps, previews. Hey, we cover anything and everything golf. My name is Carlos Torres, and every week I'm alongside my co-host, Fred Alveda. Fred, hi, how are you this week? Carlos, the turkey's gone. Both Black Friday and Cyber Monday have passed, and that means only one thing. Santa Claus is going to be coming to town before you know it. Do you have your Christmas <laughs> list made? Have you been a good little boy? Jimmy Walker <laughs> and Ricky Fowler couldn't keep up with Thorbjorn Olsen and Soren Kjelsen in the World Cup. I know I didn't pronounce that right. Another teenager <laughs> won an international professional women's golf tournament. And Tiger Woods is going to tee it up for the first time in over a year on Thursday, Ooh. we think. We have a lot of golf to talk about tonight. Carlos, let's go do it. Oh, so we have a rookie teeing it up. Like Tiger rookie. Woods. So, yeah, he must be because he, he's so known, right? I've never heard did of you, him before. Did you see his, uh, you see his little uh, interview on Morning Drive this morning? Uh, I couldn't catch it. They asked him what his uh, goal was going to be for two. They asked him what his goal was going to be for 2017. He said, "Well, honestly, he said I I think uh, I'm just going to try and make it into the top 1,000 in the world." (laughs) What? (laughs) Tiger's got to do something. I thought thought he would say, "I'm going to try to tee it off." (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I'm going to try to play one round. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been good. One hey, like term. You said, yeah, we have a lot to talk about, and we will have everything, a complete preview of Tiger's Woods' uh, return to action after 15 months, what it would be the Hero World Challenge this weekend, what to expect from him in the field. And we have a lot of recaps, and we're going to start, as usual, with our weekend backspin, where we recap the weekend's action. And Fred, you have all that happened at the ISPS Handout World Cup of Golf. So what happened there? Yeah, it was really a pretty good tournament, Carlos. Uh, Very interesting. Got to watch... uh... Uh, a little bit of a couple rounds of it. And, uh, you know, it was held in Australia at Kingston Heath's great golf course last week. And the team from the U.S., Jimmy Walker and Ricky Fowler, just couldn't keep pace with the winners, Soren Yeltsin and Thorborg Olesen, both from Denmark. It was the first time a team from Denmark has won the World Cup. The format this year was a total team competition with the two-man teams from 28 countries, competing in foursomes on Thursday and Saturday and four ball on Friday and Sunday. The Danes posted a 12 under par 60 in the Friday four ball and jumped out to a four-shot lead heading into the weekend. Their 70-66 on Saturday and Sunday maintained their lead and gave them the win. Walker and Fowler posted respectable scores and finished at minus 16 tied for runner-up but could never catch up to the Danes. The surprise of the week for me was the play of the Chinese duo of Ashen Wu and Yongtong Li. 
they were competitive all week and paired with Walker and Fowler on Friday, beat them soundly. They also finished at 1,600, tied for runner-up. The team from France, Victor Dubasson and his partner, Romain Langesque, fired a final round 63 and did apply some pressure to the Danes, but in the end fell short to finish tied for runner-up with both the U.S. and China. Carlos, for me, the format at this year's World Cup is exactly what the Olympics should adapt. Just have one gold medal for the winning country. You do not need an individual champion. Make it about the competition among the countries. This is the format we love to see in the Ryder presence in Solheim Cups. I loved it. I think this is what they got to do. I don't think they will, but I wish they would. Should also mention the European Tour is going to stay in Australia this week for the jointly sanctioned Australian PGA Championship. Ian Poulter continues to get a jump start on 2017 and replace some of the action he lost this year by being forced to miss 11 weeks due to a foot surgery. Adam Scott, Mark Leishman, and Scott Hend will also be in the field this week in Queensland, Carlos. So, great tournament last week with the World Cup down in Australia at the Kingston Heath. Good tournament coming up this week, the Australian PGA uh, at Queensland. So, uh, stuff's happening in Australia, Carlos. I just have one question to you. Yep. Um, what is the format that the FedEx Cup, I mean, uh, how you play during most of the year, do you play team golf or do you play individual golf? 72 hold stroke play individual. Right. Why in the heck would anybody think that in the Olympics you just have to think, you have to change it to a team format? It's, it's unbelievable why in the Olympics the only sport in the history that is thinking about changing its format the annual format that they play the whole year, okay, for 98% of the time, they play single-stroke individual play. And now, because every once in four years, they, they, why can't you think that the player doesn't represent the country? It's the only sport. It's incredible. I, I don't get it. Honestly, the problem is, thank the God, problem is, thank you God know, the Olympics. I, I understand uh, the individual, yes. I, you know, because like, like uh, gymnastics, you know, they have the team deal and then they have an in, individual, but they do it on, on different times. Um, you know, swimming, you have individual uh, swim matches and you have uh, team uh, relays and things. Um, that's, that's good, but, I mean, you, have to have, you actually have to have four different tournaments uh, in golf. So it's got to be kind of one or the other. I guess you could do kind of like a best ball kind of thing for the team deal if you wanted to. Uh, still count your own score. But, uh, you know, I play the best ball that way, and then you could still have a, a medal score. Uh, I, I, loved, I just love the way that World Cup went, though, Carlos. I, I thought that was really cool. It's cool because it's just a specific particular tournament. It's not how it's played all over. So the Olympics <laughs> – you play what you always play. That is always the way. You never, ever, there is no sport, no sport. It's, it's, it's like sacrilegious to think that. Really, it's like going against what everybody else thinks it should be. I mean, tennis, do you just go in tennis and go like, okay, we're going to play because they, they do play doubles. So they play the tournament, their doubles tournament. Why? Then the PGA Tour, the European Tour, and uh, all the tours don't say, okay, 
once every four weeks, I'm going to separate two weeks for the Olympics. And well, we're going, to have a, we're going to have a two-man deal at the Zurich this year. That's just another thing. That's just one tournament. <laughs> just one tournament. It's like two or three tournaments a year that you do that. The rest of it is something. Oh, the, uh-huh. You've been talking to my wife. You think I'm crazy? You've been talking to my wife again? <laughs> no, no, no. I, it, this is it's incredible. Anyway, let's let's just move on. Because anyway, I would take the whole hour and a half here talking about this, and I, 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 I was happy. I was happy. You know, that. I'm going to be but curious, anyway, so I bet they're going to be talking about this, Carlos. They are going to be talking about it, I, I, I guarantee you. You know, the only people that are talking about this are the, are, the, the ones that are in the PGA Tour and the European. And the, the European Tour is not even talking about it. It's just a PGA Tour thing that are trying to say that this is an Olympic format and all that. The Olympics, the IOC, thank God they do preserve the Olympic spirit. And they will say, no, if you want to stay here, you stay like it is. There is no way I'm going to give you two medals in one same competition. Okay? If you want two med- two different medals, do two different competitions. Separate two weeks. That's the way it is. That's the way everybody else does, does it. You're no special than any other sport. You're just one more sport here that has some audience so far, so we'll see. see you're, saying anyway. I'm, you're saying I'm not special? I'm not special to you? Golf. Golf. <laughs> not you. Golf. No. In the Olympics, golf is just a baby. So... <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, you know, passing, moving on, uh, let's talk about the ladies. There was action. And we have to talk about somebody that was in the Olympics. And it's been a whirlwind year for Aditi Ashok. You know, you might remember her, the young girl who made a splash competing for her country at the Olympics. Talking about them, right? In case you didn't know, she's the youngest player and the first Indian to medal at the Ladies European Tours Lala Aika Tour School as a 17-year-old last December. And now she has captured consecutive victories in the Ladies European Tour. Earlier this month, she won the Hero Women's Indian Open in front of her home country fans. And this past weekend, she closed with a 69 on a weather-disrupted final day at Doha Golf Club to finish at 15 under 273 and win the inaugural Qatar Ladies Open by three strokes over Lydia Hall and Caroline Hedwell. Hall also closed with a 69, and Hetwell, who you might remember as the sole handcuff hero in 2013, she went there with 5-0 and and sank the winning pot. She closed with a 76, with a 67, I'm sorry, to also finish in a tie for second. Ashok started the final round tied for the lead with Nana Kurtz-Madsen, but quickly gained a one-stroke advantage from the Dane bogey the second hole. She was maintaining her lead as play was suspended at 12.09 p.m. due to thunder and lightning in the course. And after a pair of birdies when they resume action from Ashok, followed by a double bully from Madsen on the ninth, the young Indian talent had reached 14-under with a three-stroke cushion through the turn, and from there she was on cruise control to her second consecutive victory. As I mentioned before, Lydia Hall and Carolyn Hetwell were tied for second, Madsen, the overnight toll leader, ended in fourth place on 11 under par with Annabelle Dimock in fifth and Nicole Garcia in sixth. Georgia Hall and Becky Morgan were joined seventh with five further players tied for ninth. Also, before passing it to you, Fred, 
I just wanted to make a quick mention of Yuta Ikeda, who is a 38-year-old Japanese player who was runner-up to Brooks Kepka that you mentioned last week at the previous week uh, Dunlop Phoenix Tournament. He closed with a 67 at Kochi Kurusho Country Club to finish at 13 under 203, one stroke ahead of countryman Ryuji Masaoka, and won the Japan Golf Tours Casio Open in Kochi on Sunday. But going back to Ashok, this is yet another young lady that is rising through the ranks. We saw her at the Olympics. We saw she get game. And I wouldn't be surprised to see her go at it mano a mano with the top-ranked players in the world. What a 2017 season the lady will have. I mean, it will be a battle royale that we will be enjoying watching with the names of Lydia Cole, Arya Yutanen, and Brooke Henderson, Lexi Thompson, Charlie Hall, Min Jae Lee among the youngsters. Add to that, Inge Chong, who is not that old, she's just 23, Young Kim, Hannah Yang, and veteran names like Inge Park, Stacey Lewis, Chachan Fong, uh, So Young Ryu, and Song Hyun Park. And wow, Fred, I can't wait to see what 2017 has in store for the ladies' golf. You know, it used to be a knock that the women's game was just not very deep, and so you get the same names, Annika winning all the time, or, or Lorena Cho, or, you know, whatever. Uh, that is just not the case. We, we have Lydia Ko, Aria Jutanagar, and Brooke Henderson winning multiple tournaments, but it's because they're, they're that good. Um, the fields are deep. I mean, you can just name name after name. And, you know, someone you didn't talk about here at, uh, at Cutter, uh, Maureen Jorgensen, who came off the had, what, uh, three wins on the Sumatra Tour this year, is going to be on the LPGA Tour next year. Um, she's someone to watch. She knows how to win. So she finished T9 in uh, Cutter. So uh, it, they just keep getting deeper and deeper and younger and younger with these young ladies coming on the LPGA Tour, Carlos. Hey, I want to do a quick preview. Uh, the final stage of the LPGA Q School will be held this week in Daytona Beach, Florida, on both the Jones and the Hills courses at the LPGA International course. 157 players are competing for 20 full LPGA Tour cards and 25 partial cards. All players will compete for the four rounds. Then there will be a cut to the top 70 and ties for the final round on Sunday. Players that finish in the top 20 will earn full LPGA Tour status. Numbers 21 to 45 earn the partial status, and everyone else will have Sumatra Tour status for next year. There is a $50,000 purse. The medalist will earn $5,000. LPGA Tour Commissioner Michael Wan announced earlier this year that this will probably be the final LPGA Tour Q School as the tour will go to a three-tournament qualifier as well as qualification from the Sumatra Tour only. Notables in the field this week, the highest-ranked player in the field is our friend, Beth Allen, who currently leads the Ladies' European Tour Order of Merit. She's had a couple wins over there this year, having a great year. Eight players are ranked in the top 200 in the world, including Mel Reed. We're familiar with her from England. Another friend of the show, Holly Clyburn. And you mentioned Aditi Ashok is going to fly from Qatar. She's in Daytona Beach for the, uh, for the tournament. Um, so she's on a good roll. Three players have won on the LPGA Tour previously, Lori Kane, Julieta Granada, and Sylvia Calvaleri. Uh, surprising, Julieta Granada has to go back to Q School. Uh, she's been one of the top players in the world, uh, won on tour, has been out there for a couple of years. There are also 14 teenagers and 25 players under the age of 21 in the field. 
There's only 12 players over the age of 30. There are nine women in the field that competed in the Olympics in Rio. And the biggest news heading into Q school is that Leona McGuire, the number one ranked amateur in the world, withdrew and has decided to stay in school at Duke. You're going to talk some more about that later. The number two female amateur, Bronte Law, will compete this week. But a name to watch is 17-year-old Nasa Hataoka from Japan, who won the Japan Women's Open in October as an amateur. Carlos, there's going to be 45 shiny new LPGA Tour cards handed out on Sunday. Probably be the last time we see a Q school for the LPGA. This is five rounds of peer pressure for these women, and we wish them all the best. Most definitely. And hey, with that, we wrap up our weekend backspin. Now we're going to take our first short break. And when we come back, we have plenty of news on the Bar 5 News. Don't go away. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. In the meantime, don't forget to visit www.edraft.com for analysis, breaking news, and more. Also, remember to follow us on Twitter at edraftsports and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash edraftsports. Now, back to the show. For the Park Five News and Fred, you got the tee shot, and uh, there were not very good news uh, that happened with this tee shot. No, we had some sad news to start off the uh, Park Five News tonight, Carlos. Uh, most of today's golfers are not really familiar with the name Peggy Kirk Bell, but to the women's game and to the game of golf in general, she ranks right up there with the likes of Arnold Palmer, Bobby Jones, and Sam Snead. Golf lost one of the greats last week when she died at the age of 95. James Walker Tufts is recognized as the founder of Pinehurst and the man responsible for bringing Donald Ross to the area. But just down the road in Southern Pines, Peggy Kirk Bell and her husband, Warren, a former NBA star, built and made pine needles into one of the most popular stops in the greater Pinehurst area. And then in 1953, they added mid-pines to their domain. Both properties are still owned and run by members of the family today. Carlos, the core courses at Mid Pines and Pine Needles exhibit some of Donald Ross's best work. I, I love to stay at the Mid Pines Inn and enjoy those two courses more than any other in the Pinehurst area. And that includes historic number two. For the average golfer, they're much more fun to play. Uh, they're just great, great golf courses. Like Arnold Palmer at Bay Hill, golf fans would travel to Pinehurst Resorts just to meet Miss Peggy. Born Margaret Ann Kirk. Where? In Finley, Ohio, Carlos, right down the road from here. <laughs> she excelled in athletics, but didn't take up golf until the age of 17. But she composed one of the best amateur records of all time. She won the Ohio State Championship three consecutive years in 1947, 48, and 49. That same year, she also won the Title Holders Championship and the North and South Amateur Championship. Other major, major titles were the Eastern Amateur and the Augusta Title Holders. She, along with 12 other women, including Babes of Harriet, saw the need for an organized women's professional golf league and helped found the LPGA in 1950. 
Our friend Jim Dodson, editor of Pine Straw Magazine, one of the foremost writers on golf in America, called Mrs. Bell the female Arnold Palmer for her impact both as a competitor and teacher. Together with her husband, Warren, the Bells bought the Donald Ross Design Pioneers, as I said. Together they raised a family amid its lush green grounds and comfortable, familiar environment that today still draws thousands of golfers each year, including hundreds of women who regularly play in women's events originated by Mrs. Bell. Palmer once commented about Mrs. Bell, Peggy is a tribute to the game of golf. She has tirelessly given of herself to the game, and her contributions have helped make it great. Peggy Kurt Bell was recognized as one of the best teachers in the country, had the foresight to help start the LPGA, ran the family's resort, and raised three children. She was outspoken, gracious, and sought out by her guests at the resort. She led a full life and yielded a tremendous influence on the game of golf in the United States. Peggy Kurt Bell was a leader in the game of golf, and like Arnold Palmer, will be sorely missed by golfers around the world, Carlos. May she rest in peace and our condolences go to her family. And like you said, a very, very important person. Many people may not know, but hey, just read about her. She was very, very important. Hey, let's uh, talk about some more sad news. Not that same way, but <clears throat> there was an area fee report that says the Olympic golf course in Rio, maybe just a month or so from losing the ability to maintain fairways and greens. The existing maintenance company is not getting paid. The clubhouse isn't furnished and all signs are pointing to trouble. Just three months after the Olympics ended, Rio's beautiful but controversial golf course is eerily quiet with bird squawks far louder than the whack of balls. Built specially for the 2016 Games on what had been a nature reserve next to the beach in western Rio, the Lynx-style course was meant to convert Brazilians to a sport they barely know and put the city on the international golfing map. But the $19 million facility created by star U.S. designer Gil Hans risked turning into a white elephant instead. A payment dispute could even lead to the imminent exit of the company responsible for upkeep, raising questions over the course's survival. Just three people were hitting balls at the driving range during a visit by AFP this week. The main course was closed for maintenance, but only a trickle of players can be expected even when it's open. That's what the employees say. The clubhouse was not only empty, but almost entirely unfurnished. In the cafe, which has no chairs, a solitary waiter and a second man there to collect green, green fees waited in silence for customers. A course that nearly weeks ago hosted some of the world's best golfers has no pro shop or a pro. There's even no website. Even getting there can be tricky. There are no road signs indicating the entrance. Perhaps encouraged by the lack of human activity, the Olympic course, while inhabitants, are looking happy. You know, birds and butterflies flitted through the rough, a capybara, a squat, heavyset running to the gross to the size of a dog, was waddling next to one of the water hazards. And when a big caiman, you know, that tossing of the alligators surfaced from the pond, the impression of a land that time forgot seemed complete. Unlike Rio de Janeiro's two existing private golf courses, the Olympic site, which is run by the Brazilian Golf Confederation, is open to the public. 
But few Brazilians play the game, and green fees are very high, $74 to $82 per person for residents and $192 for foreign visitors. With so few locals playing and no plan in place for attracting foreigners, funding is already being a problem. Neil Cleverly, the Briton who built the course and now manages the upkeep, says the company he works for, ProGolf, has not been paid for two months. A source close to the company who asked not to be identified said that ProGolf has been given no contract by the Confederation and having been forced to foot the 82,000 monthly maintenance operation out of its own pocket, is set to pull out. If that happens, the Confederation will quickly have to find expert replacements before damage set in. Without maintenance, that same source said that the course will die and it could take just four weeks, three weeks, who knows? Fred, this is really a sad story that it's all, all this is going on with a tremendous golf course that would go to waste. And then rebuilding, the rebuilding price would be just not feasible for anybody who tries to, to invest in it. You know, that return on investment would just not be feasible. Yeah, I just I thought maybe they had funds in place from the Olympics to keep that thing going. I wondered where they were going to find players for it after the Olympics was over. I mean, it's a beautiful golf course. It looked fantastic on television. Um, it looked very playable, a resort style course. Um, boy, just uh, that is that is really sad. It really is sad. Hey, Carlos, uh, Scotland is kind of keeping its distance from Trump, Donald Trump. President-elect Donald Trump, saying that Turnberry still is not on the open rotation. Last Ooh. week, we reported that now that Donald Trump was president, it would be difficult for the RNA to keep Trump's Turnberry off the open championship rota. But it appears the politicians in Scotland are still not eager to let Trump have the event at the historic course. A writer for the New York Times visited Trump's other course in Scotland, Trump International in Aberdeen, to talk to the neighbors that uh, Donald's been feuding with uh, over the years about the windmill issue. The government has approved the giant windmills to be built off the coast of Aberdeen, and Trump feels they detract from the golf experience. It also appears that a wall Trump had built between himself and his neighbors and then sent them the bill for, uh, didn't win too many friends either. you got to love the way he deals. You know, he's always just looking for deals. All they got to do is deal with him. Give him a call. Let's make a deal. In addition, a promised $1.25 billion investment has shrunk to what his opponents say is at most $50 million. 6,000 jobs have dwindled to 95. Two golf courses to one. An eight-story, 450-room luxury hotel never materialized, nor did 950-timeshare apartments. Instead, an existing manor house was converted into a 16-room boutique hotel. Trump International Golf Links, which opened in 2012, lost $1.36 million last year. A former Trump ally, Alex Salmon, predicted that Scotland sourced sour relationship with the president-elect will have Turnberry blackballed from the open rotation. He said, I don't think the RNA is going back to Turnberry, which is a tragedy in itself, but it's also a huge economic blow. Several hundred million pounds are lost, or in Trump terms, billions. 
does appear that the Scottish people are too impressed with the fact that their Donald will be the leader of the free world. We will have to get Kieran's take on this the next time we talk with him. I'm sure he has an opinion. In the long run, Carlos, it's hard to believe that the RNA will say no to Trump, especially at Turnberry, where so much Open Championship golf history has been made. I, wow. <laughs> incredible. I just really didn't know what they're, what they, what they're thinking, really. I, I like you. I said I'm. I second that that thought. That right now it would be difficult now that he's the president elect. But hey, we're not in the state. They're not in the states, uh, so it's not the same thing. And uh, well, we'll see. I, I, at the end of the of the road, I think they will turn around and, and, and get it back in the road. But maybe they're they're looking for something. I don't know. This is maybe part of a negotiation for something else. Uh, I, I don't know. That's what I, the way I see it, because there's no other reason why they shouldn't bring that back. Like you mentioned, a lot of history there. You just can't throw that away. But we'll see. Yeah, we all sit down with some simple mall and a couple cigars, and we'll just, you know, we'll talk this thing out. Let's, you know, yeah. let's just let's, let's I think it's going to be great anyway. It's going to be great. It's going to be good. It's going to be, it's gonna be huge. It's gonna be great. You're gonna, you're gonna love it. You're gonna, you're gonna love me. I, I'm, I'm really good at this. You're gonna love me. You're gonna, it'll be huge. <laughs> you know, talking about huge and great things, there are so many perks that come with being a member of a Ryder Cup team. One of those is something you, as a fan, may not have even know about. The captain typically gives his team members a pretty sweet gift. In the case of this year's 2016 USA team. Their gift was, well, smoking, literally. It's the thought that counts when giving a gift, right? And when Captain Davis Love III was giving gifts for his Ryder Cup USA team members, he was clearly thinking barbecue. Let me do a little setup. You know, Davis is a Georgian who loves Southern cooking and has become a huge fan of Lang barbecue smokers, smoker cookers. He is even a part owner of the wildly popular Southern Soul Barbecue in St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Davis and the DL3 barbecue team sometimes enjoy competing on barbecue competitions. Also, Davis and some other PGA Tour golfers even competed in the St. Simon's Food and Spirits Festival barbecue with celebrity pitmasters and professional golf golfers on Rainbow Island. Lang Barbecue, in celebration of fellow Georgian Davis Love III, attended the 2016 Ryder Cup and brought up some of their smoker cookers. So for his Ryder Cup team members, Love gifted, what else? A Lang Barbecue smoker. As if that wasn't cool enough, smoker that looks like a train, each smoker is customized with the Ryder Cup logo. You know, the smokers were recently delivered to the team members, and Jimmy Walker and Zach Johnson took to social media to share photos of their new gift. Boy, my order would be, of course, three meat, some brisket, moist, please, moist, with some pulled pork <laughs> and regular sausage. But how often, I ask, do you think the cup members will use their gifts? 
Well, some more than others, but you know, Carlos, if you want one of these, it's kind of like Super Bowl rings and signed jerseys. They, these things find their way to the Internet. So if you just wait a year or two, you're, you're going to be able to put a bid on one of these smokers with the, uh, with the Ryder Cup logo. You can have it right in your backyard, Carlos. <laughs> hey, every year, uh, Global Golf Pros comprises an amateur all-star team for both men and women that recognize the best amateur golfers in the world. We here at the Back Nine Report are always curious to know the next hot name that we will see on the professional golf tours, and the names continue to get younger and more talented every year. Global Golf Post just announced their all-star amateur golf team on Monday, and some of these names have already been making their headlines on the men's and women's pro tours. You're going to hear a lot more of them in the future months and years, so just a quick rundown for the men Two of the names, John Rahm and Bryson DeChambeau, have already turned professional and are having success. Matt McNeely from Stanford has the game to be a professional, but is still considering whether or not he wants to join the traveling circus, that is, professional golf. He has options in life other than pro golf. A surefire future professional champion is Curtis Luck from Australia, who won both the U.S. Amateur and the Asia-Pacific Amateur in 2016. Other members of the 2016 Global Golf Post All-Star Amateur Team, Sam Horsfield, Dylan Meyer, uh, Yvonne Cantero, Jack Hume, Matthias Schwab, Brett Coletta, Harrison Endicott, and Scott Gregory. This is truly an international field. DeChambeau and McNeely are the only Americans on the list. There are three Australians, two from England and Spain, respectively, and one each from Austria and Ireland. For the women... Fiona McGuire, who you're going to talk about in a minute, Bronte Law, and Hannah O'Sullivan are one, two, three in the world amateur ranking and one, two, three on the Global Golf Post list. Law will try her hand in LPGAQ school this week. O'Sullivan was the 2015 U.S. Women's Amateur Champ and also won the 2015 Gateway Classic on the Sumatra Tour as a 16-year-old. Another player of note, Yung Jong Song, who won the 2015 U.S. Junior Women's Amateur defended that title this year in the 2016 Women's Junior, and then the next week won the U.S. Women's Amateur as a 16-year-old, is just another in a long line of talented young female golfers from South Korea. Virginia Elena Cara from Italy attends Duke University, was the NCAA medalist, and was runner-up to Yong Jong Song at the U.S. Women's Amateur this year. We saw her here in Toledo. She made the cut at the Marathon Classic uh, the week prior to her runner-up finish at the U.S. Women's Am. Other members of the Global Golf Post All-Star Amateur Women's Team, Tiffany Chang, Sierra Brooks, Maria Pera, Hee-Jin Choi, and Olivia McAfee. Two players on this list are from the USA, two are from Ireland, and two more are from South Korea. England, Italy, Spain, and Hong Kong each have one player on the first team. Congrats to Global Golfos for compiling this list and bringing attention to men's as well as women's amateur golf. And, Carlos, continuing along this thought, I think you've got some information on um, Leona McGuire. Yes, I do. And uh, I have to second that thought that you said about uh, congratulating the Global Golfos for compiling this list. And like I mentioned at the beginning, we always are looking at who's going to be next, who's got next here in golf, and that's a great way to bring light to everybody about who's playing well in the amateur world. And, you know, 
although increasingly dominated by younger generation, with world number one Lydia Ko just 19 years of age, and Charlie Hall claiming a breakthrough LPGA Tour win last weekend as a 20-year-old, Leona Maguire, world number one amateur, has decided to opt out of this week's LPGA Tour final qualifying stage to concentrate on completing her university education. Maguire, who's 21 and ranked number one in amateur in the world, has successfully qualified for Q School finals in Daytona Beach, Florida, only to confirm her withdrawal on Wednesday after what she called considerable deliberation. In a statement released on the Duke University website, McGuire, who is a second-year student majoring in psychology, yeah, something that Lydia Coy is doing too, right, explained her decision not to seek LPGA Tour membership for the 2017 season. McGuire enjoyed a stellar 2016, winning the Smythe Salver Trophy after finishing the, the British Open as the top-ranked amateur. She finished 25th, winning four out of five matches she played in the Great Britain and Ireland's Curtis Cup victory and helping Ireland capture a historic bronze medal at the World Amateur Team Championships alongside Olivia Mahaffey and Annabelle Wilson. She also finished a highly impressive joint 21st at the Rio Olympic Games representing Ireland and is set to compete in next year's Women's British Open and U.S. Open Championships due to her year-end ranking as the number one amateur in the world. I have one quote from her that captured my attention, and I quote, being a student athlete at a distinguished institution such as Duke is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and not something I am willing to forego. I have greatly developed as both a player and a person since starting at Duke, and I'm confident that another year and a half of playing collegiate golf will further aid me in all aspects of my preparation in becoming a professional golfer, end of quote. You know, McGuire, whose twin sister Lisa is also attending Duke on a golf scholarship, made the decision after consultation with her parents, Brida and Declan, and longtime coach Shane O'Grady. Fred, you know, contrary to popular thinking, I have to take my hat off to Leona, and I think it's a great decision to think beyond the dollar signs and follow through on the academic preparation. Like she said, she's getting better and in all aspects of that preparation to becoming a professional golfer. You know, there's life beyond golf, and as I always say, it's not all about the money. There are other things that make a stick, and Fred, for her, is completing her career and getting ready for the experience of a college life on her way to a professional culture. Yeah, I think it's good too, Carlos. It was today with so many young women uh, jumping right to the to the LPGA from high school or you know maybe one year of college or something. I I, I think it's really good, but she's got some things to complete. Um, you know, she's not been an NCAA champ. You know, she hasn't won the U.S. Women's Champ. So I mean, she's got some goals that she's got something to strive for, um, and those are only going to help her to make her better when she does decide to uh, sit to close. So, so good for her, uh, Carlos. I think that wraps up that wraps the up. PAR 5 News. That's correct. Now we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, what you have been waiting for, the rookie, I mean, no, the 14-time major winner, Tiger Woods, returns after 
to Great Things of Action after 15 months in the Hero World Challenge, and we have a complete preview of that and what to expect from him and the rest of the field. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Back Nine Report presented by eDraft.com. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out our co-hosts on Twitter by clicking their names in the episode description. Now, back to the show. And we're back, and now it's time for the practice range where every week Fred and I pick a topic and each of us take our own shots at it. And like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, Fred, you know, the turkey's gone, and both Black Friday and Cyber Monday are gone. So teased almost the season for giving. And this week, the PGA Tour does just that, as it serves up the return of its most famous denizen at the 2016 Hero World Challenge. Tiger Woods looks to set to end his time in the wilderness as he aims to tee it up at his own foundation's annual tournament after a late withdrawal from October's Safeway Open. Though prize money won by the players is not included on the PGA Tour money rankings, the event brings together 18 players at the very top of the world game. This is the 18th running of this charitable event and was first held in 1999 at Greyhawk Golf Club in Scottsdale, Arizona. Bubba Watson won last year's tournament as he shot a final round of 666 to secure a three-shot victory over fellow American Patrick Reed. The winner's share is $1 million from the $3.5 million purse. The second-place player gets $400,000. This is a break big drop-off compared to normal events. The course is Albany Golf Club in the Bahamas. Designed by Ernie Els, Albany's 18-hole championship golf course is part 72, 7,400-yard facility, which will test every aspect of the declared field game. The course combines the best of links and desert features with the wind up dunes and strategically challenging water features. Tight fairways are aplenty, and green undulation provides a significant challenge. Now, how will Tiger Woods do? You know, when Woods pulled out of the Safeway Open, he cited issues with facets of his game rather than any particular health issues. If that be the case, further time away from the game may have allowed for the required work on his swing and strengthening of his mental approach. He will be rusty, and his game will be vulnerable, but... This is Tiger Woods, and the game is eminently more enjoyable with his return. This week will give us our first insight into the progress of Woods' game and may tell us just how far away he's from truly competing in the world's, with the world's best once again. Some predictions. Well, an 18-man field should make it a little easier, you know, to land a tournament winner, right? Not quite that easy as the quality of the field on show does present its own problems. Players like Jimmy Walker and Hideki Matsuyama can be hot this time of the year and it would always be foolish to overlook Dustin Johnson. But here are my players to watch. Number one is Jordan Spieth. 
after a, for, a poor fall and disappointing major season, it's easy to forget Speed won three times around the world this year. Though his needle is trending down just a bit from this same time last year, he's still a top-five player with plenty of great golf left in front of him. And I like the fact that he's rested. And the last time he won the Australian Open, he dusted the field in this event and made history the next year. Number two, Dustin Johnson. He's the world's third-ranked player, has been having fun making music videos with his fiancé this fall, but he should be all business this week with Woods back in the field. Johnson is one of the young players who won't be intimidated by Woods. Number three is Hideki Matsuyama. Do you think he cares this is an exhibition? Of course he doesn't. Yeah, the rising Japanese prodigy has won three times in his last four tournaments worldwide. And the other, he was a runner-up. No one is in better form than Matsuyama right now. He should be expected to contend again and maybe even win. Brooks Kepka is my number four. Kepka, like Matsuyama, is in scintillating form. He has finished runner-up in his last two starts, and he put up uh, together a great Ryder Cup run as a rookie to the competition. Kepka is the master of the tee that can overpower any course. And number five, Tiger Woods. Well, okay, he's no longer a top player, but he's far and away the most intriguing one this week. And despite the impressive field, Woods is the only reason to tune in to this exhibition. He could choose anything from 69 to 89 in round one. So it will be interesting to see what type of form he brings to the table. As far as Tiger is concerned, predictions are of little value, really. It would be an achievement to see him finish all rounds in one piece and to have played semi-competitive golf. Fred, the bottom line here is all about the tournament experience for the 14-time major winner after 15 months out of the game. Yeah, I kind of think I kind of think you hit the nail right on the head there, Carlos. Um, you know, what should we look for in Tiger's return? You know, hopefully he just finishes all four rounds. Um, there's no cut, so he's going to get to play as long as his health will allow. You know, it is the biggest news in golf that uh, the expected return of Tiger Woods. Uh, hopefully he's going to tee it up on Thursday morning, actually noon on Thursday. You know, um, his ranking right now, he's fallen to 898 in the world. He threatened to exit the top 1,000 in the world. When he first entered the official world golf rankings in 1994 when he was still an amateur, he was at number 740. He joined the PGA Tour in the fall of 96 and immediately jumped number 75. And after his win at the 1997 Masters, just a few months later, he moved to number three. And by June, he was number one. A spot he held for a record 683 weeks over a 16-year period from 1997 to 2013. More than double the next longest player, Greg Norman, at 331 weeks. With the announcement that his main sponsor, Nike, was discontinuing its equipment line, Tiger has been testing new equipment and will have a hodgepodge of sticks in his bag this week. He's been swinging a tailor-made driver, some old Nike irons, a new title of Scotty Cameron putter, and a new Bridgestone ball. He even has a new sponsor in his bag, Monster Energy, mostly known for sponsoring more, uh, more extreme athletes, is owned by Coca-Cola, 
you know, this is an interesting transition for Woods as it's the third straight beverage company he has had on his golf bag. The field for the World Challenge will include a few of his closest friends and some of the best players in the world right now. U.S. Open champ Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth coming off his win in the Australian Open, as you mentioned, but there's no Roy McIlroy, no Jason Day, Henrik Stenson, or Adam Scott, but there's still plenty of star power. We got Bubba. We got Bubba. We got Ricky. We got Bubba. We got Ricky. You don't need anybody else, right? <laughs> Jimmy Walker, Brant Snedeker, J.B. Holmes, Zach Johnson, Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson, um, Matt Kuchar, Patrick Reed, Brooks Kepka. You mentioned Hedeki. Louis Oosthuizen. We haven't seen his name around for a while. Emiliano Grillo and Russell Knox. A couple young guys getting a shot at the, some of the easy money down there in the Bahamas. You talked about the course. Uh, this is not your typical resort golf course. This is the ultimate high-end traveler uh, resort here. Uh, don't uh, If you don't have the American Express Black or a pocket full of cash, uh, don't even think about uh, traveling over there. Um, the course was designed by Ernie Els. You talked about the stats on it. So getting down to it, uh, what do we expect from Tiger? Well, here's what some of the pundits are saying about Tiger's return. Lee Trevino said, when you injure your back, your body's telling you you can't move that way. Tiger has to revamp his swing. If he comes back and keeps swinging the way he did, he will re-injure it, no question. Sports Illustrated's Alan Shipnuck and Michael Bamberger offered. Shipnick said, I wouldn't say Tiger Woods scores are completely unimportant. If he posts numbers in the mid to high 70s, that's just more emotional scar tissue. I'm as interested in his press conference as anything. Last year on this occasion was the most glum and fatalistic Tiger has ever sounded publicly. I'm as curious about his head and his swing. You know, and I didn't really watch much, but just a little bit of his press conference was much more upbeat. Um, you know, he feels like he has a goal. He feels like he can play. So uh, much more, way more upbeat than last year. So, so that's a positive. From Bamberger, uh, he has indicated in various ways over the past 18 months that this is a new chapter in his life. He's always setting the table for something, and now we learn more. Is his goal here to be Tiger Woods, dude at large, or Tiger Woods golfer? <laughs> Woods played golf with live humans on Monday, including former Yankee and future Hall of Famer, Derek Jeter. Apparently, the talk didn't sound much different than a bunch of old guys playing at the Villages discussing hemorrhoid remedies. Brian Wacker of Golf Digest reported, after the long range session on Sunday, Woods recovered in a hot tub and got other treatment on his surgically repaired left knee and battered back. He was also in the gym prior to his round on Monday. Now, this gets a little... I was talking to Jeets, that's Derek Jeter, and this is Tiger saying this, okay. Antino, how long did it take them to get ready for each game? And it took them from three to four hours as they got older. And it's the same thing for me. I was in the gym with Justin Rose, and he's in there doing the same thing. He's 36 now. takes him an hour, hour and a half, just to be able to go and hit balls. You have to activate the muscles. We miss the days going to the first tee and hitting a drive 300 yards with a ballada ball and a percent of driver. You can't do that anymore. And Carlos, uh, he's preaching to the choir here, and it only gets worse, <laughs> I'm telling you, okay? I laugh at these kids. Uh, they got to go hit balls and warm up and stretch out and loosen up before they go. 
these kids, when they get out of the car, they're loose, okay? And they have no clue what it's like to get older, and the muscles just do not flex like they used to. USA Today's Steve DiMeclio noted, Woods, if nothing else, is putting in a lot of work. The quick nine, a day after Woods hit balls for more than two hours and before another long session on the range, was ideal for the winner of 79 PGA Tour titles and 14 majors as he got ready to play his first competitive round since August 2015 when he finished a tie for 10th at the Wyndham Championship. Tiger said, I hit it good today. Um, you know, so, you know, he feels good. He feels strong. You know, he's putting in the work. So, bottom line, here's what I'm saying, Carlos. Um, I'm pretty sure he's going to make the cut since there isn't one. I'm pretty sure he's going to play all four rounds if he decides to tee it up on Thursday. But that's only because there will be no cut. And his back and legs allow him to walk and play four consecutive rounds. So what I'm saying is I have no clue. I expect he will finish at the bottom or near the bottom of the field and well off the winner's final score. If Woods can finish the event, keep his scores in the 70s and not shank too many chip shots, it's going to be a successful week. This is just to get his feet wet, forced to compete against the elite players, and get a feel for where his game really is right now. In short, Carlos, I'm not expecting very much from Tiger Woods, but I am looking forward to seeing him play. I don't think a lot of people are expecting a lot of things. (laughs) They're just expecting to see him play. And uh, I just think a lot of I think he must be ready physically. Otherwise, he wouldn't uh, take the risk of playing here, even though it's his own foundation. But I think that physically, he may be ready. I just don't think that mentally he will be. But uh, it would be interesting. Like I mentioned, uh, I was saying he can shoot anything from 69 to 89 in round one. And... uh, it will be interesting to see how he does if he starts being shooting low and, and trying to see if will he get uh, nervous, will he get anxious. Uh, that that's all I want to see. How if he does get a, a good rounds here and there, but uh, I think it's just about seeing him play once again. That's the only thing that everybody's looking at. I, I don't think anybody expects him to win just to see how he plays. Definitely, friend. Yep, just uh, let's just watch, take it for what it is, and hopefully when he gets done, we'll see what happens after the first year. We shall see. Hey, with that, we will conclude our practice range. Everybody will be watching Tiger Woods return to action after 15 months this weekend in the Hero World Challenge. So there you had our preview on what to expect from him and the rest of the field. Now, we're going to take our last short break. When we come back, we have our VIG, very important guest of the week. His name is Greg Liberto, the mental coach. Don't go away. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. In the meantime, don't forget to visit www.edraft.com for analysis, 
breaking news, and more. Also, remember to follow us on Twitter at eDressSports and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash eDressSports. Don't forget to check out our co-hosts on Twitter by clicking their names in the episode description. Now, back to the show. And we're back, and now it's time for the VSG, very important guest of the week. His name is Greg Liberto. He's the head coach. He's a multinational speaker, author, and coach who shows golfers how to transform their game and play their best golf ever. He writes a monthly column for NWO Golf Links and has appeared as a guest on Fox Sports, NBC, ESPN Radio, the Honda Classic Radio Show, and many more. He has been the featured speaker for organizations such as the PGA of Philadelphia, the American Junior Golf Association, Bear Lynch, Microsoft, to name just a few. Greg has developed a program to help every golfer improve their mental approach to not only golf, but to life as well. So, Fred, what can we expect from this interview that you have with Greg? Uh, he gives us some tips. Uh, he talks about his overall program. He's been working for the last uh, couple years to redefine, uh, make it better, improve his overall program. His program will get results if you follow it, if you talk to Greg. Uh, he's he's uh, worked with professional uh, athletes. Uh, he knows what he's talking about. Um, you know, he's been through some of this stuff. He uses it himself. And so he's, he's very good at honing in on what it takes an individual to play better golf or improve their life through better mental focus. So, Carlos, go ahead and play the interview if you would, please. Okay, let's play it. Okay, hold on a second. We're having a little trouble here. It's not flying. Hold on. Don't go away. And just, if you can say something else, I'll try to get this on. It's having a little trouble here. Well, we have, okay, we've, uh, we've known Greg for some time. Uh, as you mentioned, he writes the column for us uh, every month for the NWO Golf Links. Um, he's come to Toledo and done a presentation at the Toledo Golf Show. Uh, he's been involved, as I mentioned, with other professional athletes and, and, and amateurs alike. Um, and a lot of his teaching not only applies to golf or whether it be football, basketball, soccer, baseball, whatever sport you're playing, but also will help you in your life is, you know, focusing on one thought every day, one positive thought will really get you uh, into the right frame of mind, uh, and you'll be surprised how things will change uh, if you um, practice and adapt some of Greg's uh, some of Greg's methods. Um, and as we talk about in the piece, you don't have to be he, he's from Buffalo, but you don't have to be there um, with all the modern technology, internet, and and all that kind of thing. You can be um, anywhere and still interact with Greg, and and he can work with you. So, are you having any luck there, let's Carlos? See, let's see. Yes. Let's see if we got it now. Hold on. We're happy to welcome Greg Liberto back to the Back Nine Report. He is the head coach. He's a multinational speaker, author, and coach who shows golfers how to transform their game and play their best golf ever. He contributes a monthly column on the mental game approach to golf in NWO Golf Links, has appeared as a guest on Fox Sports, NBC, ESPN Radio, Behind the Classic Radio Show, and many more. 
She's a faculty member of the American Junior Golf Association, the AJGA University. And he's also been a guest on Back Nine Report previously. And, Greg, we're happy to have you back. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Fred. Always a pleasure to uh, speak and look forward to it. Greg, something that I've noticed recently on the PGA Tour that several players, young players that are really ranked way down. Matter of fact, even a, an older player, veteran, Rod Pampling, who is over 500 in the world, won recently on tour. You know, I've always felt that the only difference between the top 500 players in the world is their level of confidence and mental toughness to accept the challenge of winning. Do you have any comments on that? Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely agree. I mean, there's so many factors that go into winning and coming up, you know, just a little bit short. But, yes, overall, there, there's no question, you know, how a player is thinking and, most importantly, feeling going into an event is going to determine how well they play. And there's so many factors that a professional golfer can get distracted by off of the golf course that they might potentially bring to the course that, that might be holding them back. And they might be completely unaware of it. So a lot of what I work with in, in my players is helping them to understand how important their communication is 24-7. And if you're constantly working on improving the way that you are thinking and speaking, your body language. I mean, communication is, is a big bucket, but there's so many ways that we communicate to ourselves and our emotions and things that have happened in the past have so much impact in terms of what happens out in the course. So in terms of your question, Fred, absolutely. There's no question the confidence level and the mental toughness that you're able to display is what separates a winner from somebody who might come in second or top 10 or top 50 or top 500. Because as you know, these guys are all amazing, amazing ball strikers. So it's that fine line of confidence, communication, and focus that's going to allow them to hoist a trophy. You know, we just talked about how important uh, mental toughness or mental concentration or focus is to a tour player, but it's also important once a golfer just reaches the level where they can consistently hit the ball, even beginning golfers, the mental game of side of the golf game becomes important also uh, just so you don't let that bad shot or the shot you're hitting on the water ruin your day or ruin your round or, or, or make you want to quit the game. You know, again, going back to what we were talking about previously, a lot of, you know, what I share with my players is you have to constantly put yourself in your discomfort zone. Doing that is going to allow you to get through those difficult situations on the course because for a player who's never been in the lead or leading on Sunday, that's a very unusual feeling, right? It's where they've they've worked towards their entire life, but once they're there, it's a very unusual feeling and they, you know, it's, it's a first time experience just like anything else. So if you're constantly conditioning, you're conditioning yourself to put yourself in your discomfort zone and do the things that you normally would not do on a daily basis, that's going to allow you to perform better in that situation because that's what you've conditioned yourself to do is to feel comfortable in those new and awkward situations that are a first time experience. You know, a lot of situations, a lot of things in golf carry over to life as well. And 
Uh, do you find that your strategies for improving your performance on the golf course also carry over to life situations? Very much so. Yes, very much so. And, and again, for that's what I teach is, is 24-7, 365 communication. And a big part of what I teach is in the very first session where we go through and identify what's called your primary question. And in doing so, what we do is we talk about where you are as a player today, where you want to be in the future. And then we put together a three to five word action plan that bridges the gap from today to tomorrow. And once we understand and identify what it is that you need to do to bridge that gap and create that action plan, we position it into the form of a question and looking at and saying your question out loud every single day, multiple times a day allows you to realize exactly what you need to do to bring out your best every single day. So Yes, everything that I teach applies just as much to life off of the course as it does on the course because as as you know as we talked about it's a 24/7 communication approach and if you're constantly focused on getting better every single day your golf game and your life are going to get better in unison. Is this part of your pro performance system? It is. Yep. So what I've done Fred is over the years, I've been doing, you know, a lot of coaching and my coaching program, you know, has gone from six weeks to 12 weeks to 90 days, you know, so all these different time periods. So what I've done is now taken the best of everything that I've done and put it into exactly what you said. It's called the pro performance system. What it does is it allows you to do exactly what we talked about. Take control of every single day. There's a, a, a daily challenge that's associated with it. We go through and identify your primary question. There's a Greg Liberto Focus app now that you can use in conjunction with it, and that really is the the glue to the whole system because the app allows you to have all of this great information at your fingertips, you know, the video library, your weekly strategy, your daily challenge, being able to contact me, receiving updates in the video library, updates on social media on a regular basis, and every single day for the rest of your life, you're going to receive a message from me very brief, but it's going to help you get focused, become better, and allow you to reach the next level because the system is designed for professional athletes and, you know, it's open to amateurs as well. But I I put everything together in a way that it's it's a top quality product because, you know, I know what I've been doing for the last 10 years and I know some of the things that have just been missing and, now having the system and working in conjunction with all of the different activities that I've developed and created over the years, this is really the perfect storm because there's things that I've been wanting to do. There's things that I was able to do, but I was never able to do them all together. And now with the pro performance system, it allows me to bring out my best from a coaching perspective, which in turn is going to allow me to offer the best product to you. I know you're located in Buffalo, New York, but through video series, through the Internet, through online programs, through your website, through telephone calls, you can work with anyone anywhere. They just don't, they don't have to come and see you face-to-face. With our modern technology, you can work with someone in California or Florida or Texas or wherever they might be. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of the product called Zoom, Z-O-O-M. It's zoom.us. Zoom is great because I've tried a lot of different web conferencing platforms, and 
Zoom is, from from my perspective, Fred, it's the most reliable, it's high-quality definition, high-quality audio. And the best part about it is that it records every session as well. So whether we're, whether we're just having a conversation about your game and where you want to go, or the great part is, is that I've done this many times now where my player will bring their phone out to the course, which they have already. But if I can watch them during a practice session, you know, I haven't done it where they actually take their phone and I follow them around the course for you know four hours. But it's great to be able to see how they're practicing because how you're practicing, as you well know, has a big impact in terms of how you perform. So being able to have this technology allows me to take my coaching experience with my players to the next level because there's things that I can do remotely that are, number one, much less expensive for them. But number two, it's just much everything just happens much faster. So I can watch you in a session today and you can, I can see how you're practicing, give you some of the tips that we talked about, but really allow you to reinforce it and watch you go through your process. Because again, going back to our, our, your original question of, you know, what separates those, you know, in the top 500 from those that are winning is a lot of how you practice. So if you are constantly putting yourself in your discomfort zone, when you practice in, picking a different target and using a different club, hitting a different shot shape, constantly changing it up, making your practice sessions almost more competitive than an actual round of golf that's going to help level the playing field. But most importantly, it's going to allow you to get the most out of every practice session. So the technology is great, Fred. I absolutely love Zoom in terms of uh, a product, but yes, it's great to be able to do what I do with, with players all over the world and, see some things I just haven't been able to experience in the past. You know, I was going to ask you to wrap up by giving one tip to our listeners, but I think you just gave it. Uh, with That is a fantastic tip. When you're on the practice range, don't just stand there and mindlessly beat nine iron after nine iron after nine iron. Hit a nine iron with a little bit of a draw or hit a nine iron with a little bit of a cut. Then go with seven iron and hit one low. Uh, hit a punch shot. Hit different. Put yourself in that mental position visualize that shot on the course of what you're trying to pull off and practice that on the range so that when you see that you've already been in that moment, it it, it makes it much more comfortable for you. And if I could give one other tip, very simple, is the concept of this, of the daily challenge. And this is something that I started fairly recently, as I mentioned, it's in the app, it's it's part of the pro performance system, but the daily challenge isn't about doing something that's physically challenged. It could be about doing something that's really simple, such as calling that certain person that you've been meaning to call for the last week or the last month or the last year, or maybe, you know, just smiling at somebody that you normally would not, or, you know, doing something at home or doing something on the course that's, again, going to take you out of your comfort zone and just stretch you a little bit and get you to do something that you normally would not do. And that's really what this is all about. It's going to make you more focused and more disciplined because you're doing something every single day, but it's going to have you doing things that you normally would not do. And in doing that every single day, that's going to obviously make you better as a person, but it's all going to translate back to the golf course in terms of how you perform. Greg, thanks so much for being with us today. We've been talking with Greg Liberto, the mental game coach. You can visit Greg's website at greglibertofocus.com. G-R-E-G-L-I-B-E-R-T-O, 
focus.com. Or you can get in touch with Greg by calling 716-830-0808. Greg has been helping golfers and people improve their concentration and focus for many years, and I know he can help you with your golf game also. Uh, Greg, thanks again for being with us today. My pleasure, Fred. Thank you. Always a pleasure speaking with you. And there you have it. It was Greg Liberto, the head coach. And also I can add that if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at my best golf ever. So go there and find him, follow him. Fred, great advice by Greg as usual. Uh, We've always said uh, sports in general, there's a rule that says it's like 70 or 80%, depending on who you talk to, is mental. And uh, the rest is your ability, your physical ability. And like you mentioned also at the beginning of the interview, uh, probably, and it's true, the, the difference between the top players in the world and the 500s and 600s is their, their confidence and how they approach the game mentally. Totally, totally agree with you on that one. Yeah, and that not only golf, Carlos, but in life. If you have any hesitation, if you have any doubt, if you have a trepidation that maybe I'm not good enough, maybe I can't do this, maybe I shouldn't try that, it's not going to work. Um, you have to find the right mental focus. You have to find the right concentration um, to do the things that you need to do every day. You know, I, I mean, I'm one of the worst procrastinators in the world, Carlos. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, successful people do the things that other people who are not successful do not want to do. And so you have to trick your mind or you have to train your mind or you have to develop a program so that your mind responds and gets you to do the things you know you should be doing but you just don't want to do. Greg can help you do that. So it not only applies to golf, it applies to everything. He's very knowledgeable. He's been doing it for a long time. Um, I find him uh, very interesting to talk to and and, uh, always enjoy uh, talking with him. Very much, and there you have it. That was our VIG, very important guest of the week, the head coach, Greg Liberto. And now we're going to finish with our final thoughts, and I'm going to start as usual. I'm going to be talking about first uh, Young Woon Wang, who has got a remarkable maiden season on the European Tour by claiming the Sir Henry Cotton Rookie of the Year title, becoming the second South Korean to take the honor in successive years following compatriot Benny An uh, last year. Wang set a host of records in May with back-to-back European Tour wins at the Trophée Hassan II in Afrasia Bank Mirichis Open and finished the season in 16th position in the Race to Dubai rankings presented by Rolex. Wang pulled ahead of his closest challenges for the Rookie of the Year award, China's Halkong Lee, who finished 23rd, fellow Korean Suing Lee, finished 43rd, and Brendan Stone of South Africa finished 50th with a strong end to the 2016 in the final series. So congratulations to Yong Hong Wan, who will be seeing a lot in the European Tour next year. And also, we all know, <laughs> we all know Bubba Watson is one of the most interesting characters on tour. From his unique swing to his volatile state of mind, you never know what Bubba is going to do next. Case in point, Associated Press caught up with him earlier this season in his li- this month, I mean, I'm sorry, and his life after golf was the topic of conversation. Watson said ambitions beyond the course may lead him to a second career 
in public office. He wants to run for mayor. He says he's had a dream, not like Martin Luther King, but he has had a dream, and moved back into the city limits of Pensacola there in Florida so one day he can run for mayor. He already has a growing business empire with multiple business interests in the area, including a Pensacola candy shop called Baba Sweet Spot, and ownership stakes in a Chevrolet dealership and a double-A minor league baseball team. You know, there's precedent to a tour player becoming a mayor. Rocky Thompson, who won three senior PGA Tour events, was the mayor of Toco in Texas in the 90s. So, Fred, who knows? In 10 years, we could be seeing Bubba Watson walking around Augusta National, hyping up Pensacola tourism. I hope I live long enough to see that, Carlos. I, <laughs> I, I think Bubba walks around in, a, in his own little world. Uh, I don't know that he has. I, I, I'll just, I, I got to see it. I got to see it to believe it, okay? Let me, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Love Bubba, but I'm not sure. He's always in the reality, the world of reality. So, hey, um, Carlos, just a couple of real things here, real quick. Um, we all saw Billy Herschel miss that tapping on the first hole of the five man playoff at the RSM Classic a couple weeks ago. But the fun didn't end there. The next morning, Herschel had to have his wisdom teeth pulled. It turned out well, and he's in good spirits about it, though. And he had a numerous tweet. Uh, you can go to his Twitter feed and, and see that. Um, it appears uh, Wilson, the Wilson Sporting Good Company, has committed a marketing faux pas. They released the new Triton driver. They're, connect- they're conducting demo days and have released it to retail shops, but didn't get approval on the new club from the USGA. Thus, it's non-conforming. <laughs> I think it's going to be a tough sell at $449 if, if it's not USGA conforming. Somebody screwed up big time there. Um, more sad news. Um, condolences to golf's funny man, uh, David Faraday. Uh, golf Week posted last week that Billy Faraday, David's father, died Thursday at the age of 91. Uh, David uh, posted news on his Twitter account. My father died this morning after a long illness. No more pain. No more confusion. Only peace for him now. I loved him very much. Uh, David's father, Billy, had been battling Alzheimer's for several years. David had said earlier in a Golf Week uh, post, I think Alzheimer's is worse than death because at least dead people aren't around anymore. The vehicle my father used to move around this world three wheels on down the road, but the man behind the wheel is nowhere to be found, except in the memories of those who loved him. Read that. I, you know, I, I've read this that that couple sentences several times. I, I I remember reading it back when he wrote it. Uh, um, that says so much. This Alzheimer's thing is such a scary thing for everyone, and. Carlos, uh, my wife and I laugh at each other, you know, um, but but uh, in all reality, we know we have friends that are suffering with Alzheimer's. Uh, we we have family members. We, you know, everybody knows somebody kind of thing. And it's a terrible, terrible disease. And uh, we here at Back on the Report wish David all the best. Uh, we enjoy his commentary on TV and uh, love his show on Golf Channel. And have read his his writings and all of his stuff for a long time, and I think he's one of the best guys in golf. And 
Um, sorry for his father right now. I totally agree there, and um, like you, I always have. I also have uh, friends that have either family members or suffer from that, so I understand totally. It's really, really scary the thought of Alzheimer's, but so unfortunately, and like you said, our condolences go to David and all his family. Well, back Niners. That will wrap up another week of the Back Nine Report presented by eDraft.com. Thank you for listening. It's always our pleasure to bring you the latest on the world of golf. Special thanks to our VAG, very important guest of the week, the head coach, Greg Liberto. Don't forget to join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on Block Talk Radio. Or if you missed it, hey, check it out on iTunes or tune in. And if you haven't done so, Follow the show. Our Twitter ID is at Back9Report. The number nine is in the middle. My name is Carlos Torres, along with Fred Alvader. We wish you to be happy, be blessed, and enjoy the great game of golf. Happy golfing, everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs>